Would you join me in praying? Father, we, uh, we thank you for the ways that you bring hope and the ways that you bring relief. And uh, I thank you for even Pastor Jonathan's words of for us to not underestimate the power of this, talking to you, going to you over and over. So we do continue to pray for first responders, that you would give them strength and you would sustain them. We do pray for churches and places that are seeking to provide relief in your name. Pray that you would encourage them. Pray for those who have lost. Pray that you would, in the ways that only you can provide, you would provide in real ways, shelter and food. And God, we know that you love to pursue those who are lost. And just in real ways, we ask for your guidance and direction for those who are still missing, that you would reconnect loved ones to loved ones. We trust you. We know that there's no other place we could turn than you. So we ask your blessing over Maui and our brothers and sisters and your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Ben. Uh, it's great to be here with you all. If you joined us last week, well, thank you. Good morning, everybody. All right. Yeah, let's do it. If you guys are not aware, a lot of our, our, um, our high school, college uh, young adults are here in the front row. And just so you guys are encouraged, it really is like probably don't, under, don't underestimate your presence and your enthusiasm. It really lifts the room. Um, so thank you. Um, if you were here last week, we started a new series called Do One Thing, and in this particular series, um, we're starting with identity, because we want to be able to take our next steps uh, with our journey with Jesus. Uh, Pastor Marvin talked about the contents of a can determine what's on the label and not the other way around, um, and so that that's, says a lot about our own identity. Um, but where we're going to start uh, today is this type of question, well, if our identity comes from God, which it does, what is he really like? What is God really like? That's a really important question because if we get our identity from someone we really don't like, that'd be tough. But if you, we want to know what he's really like and then we get our identity from him, then that's like, okay, we can move on from there. Let me ask you this. Um, if you were to give a, a toast at somebody's wedding that you had never met before, how would you respond? It'd be tough, Right? You wouldn't be able to give that toast really um, in an educated way because you just don't know that person. You usually reserve that for like the best man or the maid of honor. Um, we've been to funerals. We've hosted funerals here recently. And it's just been a beautiful thing to hear um, kids uh, give eulogies and reflections about their own parents. Do you know why? Because they know them the best. That's why at weddings you ask the maid of honor, and you ask the best man, you don't ask Uncle Jim who you met one time before and had to invite him. You don't ask him to give the toast. You ask people that know them the best. Same thing at funerals. You ask the people that know the best, what were they really like? Because that's what you want them to be remembered by. Same thing with this. If we're going to ask the question, what's God the Father really like? Who better ask to ask than his son, Jesus? And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, just so we're all kind of tracking on the same thing, there's this thing that our friend Jack Magruder has called the Covenant Triangle. And in this Covenant Triangle, there's three parts to it. There's theology, which is where we start. That's who God is. That's what we're talking about today. What is the Father really like? That leads to our identity. That's who we are. And then from identity flows destiny. That's what we do or what we're called to do. 
Notice where the arrows are going. It only goes that way. It goes from theology to identity and destiny, not the other way around. So it's not like I do stuff, so then all of a sudden that's must, that must be who I am. And who I am based on the stuff I do tells me of what God really thinks of me. It's the other way around. Who God is is where we get our identity. From our identity, we recognize how he's called us and those are the things that we should do. That's why it's super important that we ask this question of that theology of who God is, what is he really like? So um, there's probably lots of different things that we could answer that question with. But instead of kind of going through that list, let's just go straight to... Um, what Jesus says, right? Who better to ask than the Father's one and only Son that he loves? Uh, so where I'm at is in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And um, this is the parable of the prodigal son. Um, if you're wondering about the context of where this is at, so Jesus is teaching. And while he's teaching, um, there are these religious leaders who are kind of uh, about themselves and not about Jesus and they come uh, to Jesus because they recognize Jesus is starting, as, during, while he's teaching, he's starting to attract tax collectors and sinners. People that these religious leaders did not want to have anything to do with the kingdom of God. But as we know, Jesus is all about those people in the kingdom of God. And it's not those people. Those are his people in the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells three parables right in a row. This is the third one. The first one is... I'd leave 99 sheep to go after my lost one. That's the first parable. The second one is if I had 10 coins and I lost one, I would, I would light up lamps, I would sweep the house until I found that coin and I would celebrate. And then this is the third one, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. Now, prodigal does not mean lost. So prodigal is extravagantly wasteful or uh, recklessly lavish. That's what prodigal means. And we'll find out why this particular son um, is the prodigal son, but... In some ways, both sons are prodigal. And in other ways, even the dad is extravagantly wasteful. We'll, we'll look at that here in a little bit. So chapter 11 of Luke 15, third parable that Jesus uh, is telling all the people, sinners, um, religious leaders. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. So when he went, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. All right. So what's happening here is there's a dad, wealthy dad, has two sons, obviously an older one and a younger one. And the younger one says this, um, I want you to give me my inheritance. So split it up and give it to me now. You know when inheritance usually is given to uh, your kids? It's when you die. And he wasn't dead yet. So essentially this younger son is saying this to his dad, you're dead to me. I don't want to live in your house. I don't want anything to do with you. I know better for myself. Give me what you owe me, and then let me just go on, right? I, I, you're dead to me is essentially what this son is saying. We haven't talked about the other son yet, but that's, that's essentially what this son is. Now, what's the father really like? Well, he lets him do it. He gives him freedom. A type of freedom that leads to a different type of bondage, but he, he freely gives half of his property. What's the father like? Yeah, he'll, he'll allow his son to do that. And then you see... Um, 
the, the son just gathered all that he had, just took off and went to a far country. And he just blew it all, like quickly. So that's why he's prodigal, right? He had all these things. He had half of his dad's um, wealth and just squanders it all to the point that he now has nothing. And the timing of it, all of a sudden there's a severe famine, not just a little bit of a shortage of food, like a severe famine. So not only has he blown it all, nobody else has other stuff for him to, to gather. So he decides to do this. You know what? Well, I'm not going to go back home, right? Because that bless you. That would be embarrassing because what I'm going to do is, um, <laughs> what I'm going to do instead is this, is I'm, I'm going to hire myself um, out to just some random guy, some stranger. And even though I, I'm son of a dignitary of, a royal, of royalty, I'm just going to work on a pig farm to the point that even during this famine, pigs have more to eat than this gentleman, right? And he's so hungry, he'd rather eat pig slop um, than return home, right? His hunger's gotten so deep. It's not like, oh, I should go back home because my dad probably has all these things for me, my, his son. He's like, look, my pride is telling me, why don't I just hire myself? I can make it on my own. I can do this myself. I would rather eat pig slop than to return back to my dad. So um, here's the thing. Just like with the covenant triangle where we have theology, who God is, identity, who we are, and the destiny, what we do, there are these other factors that I want us to kind of lean into um, just as we tell the rest of the story. And these are the three things. It's beliefs, actions, and feelings. Again, it's directional. Um, beliefs are, are our thoughts, right? Our thoughts, our intentions, the way we perceive God, ourselves, and others. Um, those should flow into actions, which are the ways we act, our behaviors, our external responses, which then will help shape our feelings. Uh, and our feelings are our emotional state, right? We, we can name those. We often lead with those. Like, I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel tired. I feel overwhelmed. Those are all feelings. Um, in, in this particular um, order, we all know the right answer. If I asked you, should we lead with beliefs or should we lead with feelings, I think everybody would probably know the right answer. But here's the reality, myself included, I usually reverse this. I lead with my feelings. Man, I feel like nobody really cares, man. I feel so alone. Why doesn't anybody respond to me? I feel, I feel so tired and overwhelmed. Doesn't anybody know the struggle that I do? I feel so underappreciated. I feel this, I feel that. And so I act in a way that's passive aggressive. I act in a way that is quietly offended. I act in a way that is self-righteous. I act in ways that are selfish because I'm being led by feelings. So we all know the right answer, but the, the reality of it is, is so often, even this son, we can probably relate to. You know what, Dad? I feel like you owe me. Um, you owe me half of what you have, so why don't you just give it to me? And then I'll act on that, I'll take it, and I know better than you. So I believe that I can um, have a better life without living in your home. So when you do it in reverse, that's kind of what we're seeing here. Or at this point in the story for this younger son, he says, I feel so hungry that um, I'm going to act in a way that I'm, I'm just going to hire myself out. Even though I'm son of royalty, I'm just going to hire myself out to a pig farm. And I believe that these, this pig slop is probably going to fill me up better than swallowing my pride and returning back home. So now we're in verse 17. So be listening for this beliefs leading to actions and to feelings. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants, these are the people that used to serve me, have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. Like, why, why, would, I, why would I 
take me this long. I mean, I'm, I'm desperate. But So I'll arise and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so right now, the, this younger son comes to. He realizes like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to rehearse an apology speech to my dad. Because that's probably what, that's what's going to get through to my dad. It's not the fact that I'm his son. It's probably if I have well-crafted words, I can approach my father again by saying, oh, father, uh, I've, I've sinned against not only you, but heaven. And, and I'm no longer worthy to be, be called your son. I'll exchange my identity as one of your kids to just be one of your servants. That will negotiate my identity just so I can come back into your household. I don't really really deserve to be your son, nor do I really want to be your son. I just want to eat because I'm being led by feelings. I'm so hungry. I'm so desperate that I forget who I am. That's what's happening here, right? So he rehearses this, and it feels really good. So oftentimes we think maybe if we approach God with better crafted words, that will give me more access to him. It's not true, and we'll see why. So the son arose and came to his father. <clears throat> So he turns, back, he turns back home. He doesn't go to another pig farm or some horse farm or some other farm so he can eat more pig pods or horse slop. He turns home. Turning point right there. And here we go. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'm just going to pause on that. We've probably heard this before, and I've, I've read this multiple times this week, and it's just, it's just new, fresh, it's real. And he rose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'm going to show you some pictures of this, is this part of the story of the Bible, of God's story for us. Um, what's the father really like, uh, has been captured by artists, one by Rembrandt. Um, this probably looks familiar. Um, I'm not going to go, I just want to give you kind of an idea of like, this, this is impactful for people. Like this moment is so important that people will capture it. Here's another one of the father running. One thing I will come back to, I want you to notice is like his, his robe, his garment, and the fact that you can see his calves. All right, I know that sounds awkward and weird, um, but it's not. For us, but it was for them. And then this last one of just, what's the father really like? Um, if you look at his facial expression on this next one, you'll recognize that he, he's so glad that his son is home. And um, that, that next picture <laughs> would be, there we go, that's the one. Yeah, um, just yeah, like, it's not one where this is, this is, you know, this is, the, this is not the posture of your father. What's he really like? Is it true that he's standing on the porch? Yeah, from a long way off he saw him. But how he's standing is not like this. How he's standing is like this. It's a different posture. Do you hear that from a long way off? From a long way off implies anticipation from the father. That talks about belief. The father starts with belief. He believes his son is going to come back home. That's why from a long way off, he was ready. If he didn't believe it, he'd be in the back. He'd be selling the ring and selling the robe. He'd be selling his son's stuff. But he's not. 
He's on the porch and he's waiting. Not with a posture like this. Man, I can't wait till that son of mine comes home. He's standing on the porch like this. Is that him? Is this is today the day? Today's the day? He's home. My son is home. So his actions were this. He acted in a way. He knew his son was from a long way off. And so what did he do? He ran. His actions were fueled by his belief because he's still his son. His actions weren't like, well, wait till he gets in front of me and the whooping he's going to get or the tongue lashings he's going to get. He ran and embraced him and he kissed him. Those are his actions. And then his feelings, it says right in this verse, it says, and he felt compassion for his son. Did you know in other translations, it says this, he felt tenderness. He was moved by love. He was stirred by mercy. He wanted to share in his son's troubles. You want to know what your father's like? He's moved with compassion when you come home, when you turn away. He's not there tapping his foot, ready to yell at you. He wants you to come home. That's what he's like. Does that mess with you at all? I mean, is that, we know the right answer. But how many times do we act like, man, God must be mad at me. Things aren't going my way. God must not really care. He must have forgotten about my prayer. He must have done that. What is he really like? Such an important question. You know how I was telling you about how you can see his calves in that picture? That's important because um, for us, like, that's not, that's not a, a big deal culturally for that. That's, that's undignified. That's offensive. Not only is that offensive, offensive that's super uncomfortable. Like, his servants would be like, ooh. What is going on, right? That's like nobody wants to see those. Yeah? But that's culturally what it was like. But here's the beautiful thing. When you value love um, more than dignity, then, you're, then you know the Father a lot better than you thought you did. Because dignity is just pride in disguise often, right? I, 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 this is how we should respond then. We're in church. The, God the Father is here. God his Son and the Holy Spirit is here. This is how we should act. Right? Because we get all uncomfortable. Like you see the father's calves. He doesn't care because love is the higher value than false dignity, which is pride in disguise anyway. He knows that he believes his son is home and he'll do whatever he can to get there as soon as he can so that his son remembers who he is, his son and not a servant. There's other times in scripture where undignified love kind of gets a bad rap a little bit. I mean, we know the right answer. It's like, oh, what a great story. That's awesome. I'll become more undignified than this. That's the David response. So when, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was coming back home to Jerusalem, and there's this, essentially this parade, and David had killed his 10,000s, and he had slain so many people, one of, the greatest God, one of God's greatest victories, and they're having this parade, and what does David do? He dances, which is not that bad, but then he dances in his underwear, almost naked, Right, and we're like, oh, good job, David. And all of us here, well, not all of us here, but oftentimes we just like, wow, if we were there, we'd be super uncomfortable. We'd be like, what's he doing? Isn't that our king? Isn't that the guy? Isn't that the soldier that led us to victory? But we talk about it like, oh, I'd be just like David. And then we sing songs. I sing songs, and I'm just like, ooh, I'll keep my dignity instead of my love for God. Right? Because it's more, it's more about how is my dignity coming across to the other people in this room as opposed to how is my love for God being expressed to God himself? When we value love more than our own dignity, there's, there's other times this has happened, right? If you look in the, the woman with the alabaster jar. So Jesus, uh, the night of the Last Supper, right? Like he's about to go be betrayed, crucified, one of the worst uh, murders in history. 
There's a woman that breaks an expensive perfume jar, pours it on Jesus, um, anoints him, cries. I mean, she's just overwhelmed with feeling, but her actions are this. She cries so hard that she washes Jesus' feet and then dries his feet with her hair. Now imagine you're sitting in the chair next to Jesus. Are you like, wow, what a beautiful act of worship? Or are you like this? Wow, that makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah? And let's be honest, right? Because we value dignity so much, this false sense of pride. Like, I'm going to keep it all together. I don't worship that way. She can, and I'll worship the fact that she can do that, as opposed to worshiping God himself. There's other undignified acts of love that we would say, oh, beautiful. But if we were there, we'd probably be like, wow, this is super uncomfortable. So what do we do with that? Remember when Jesus, I mean, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He created you and he created me. On his death march to be crucified, he had been beaten. He had been abandoned. He had been like yelled at, spat on, all this stuff. And there he is hanging on a cross. Would you be like, wow, that's my king? Or would you be like, oh, wow. I thought that was my king. Are you embarrassed by that? We know the right answer. The answer is, oh, I'm not at all. But in in the presence of that brutality, in the presence of that beating, in the presence of that, in a lot of ways, that undignified love, oftentimes, myself included, I'd be like, is this what I signed up for? So when the father hikes up his garment, runs after his son, that's undignified and it's beautiful. Because he values love more than false pride disguised as dignity. I would say the same for us. Do you, do you know your father loves you that much? Do you know his son died for you and loves you that, that much? Do you know that when the Holy Spirit came during Pentecost and everybody started speaking their own language, do you know what people thought? Some people thought all those guys were drunk, right? Undignified worship. But they were, they were singing songs, all undignified worship. We find things offensive. That's offensive. But if it's not like, oh, like I, I think that's a beautiful thing. But the, quietly inside, we're offended. Your father, what's he really like? He values love more than false dignity. Verse 21, and the son said to him, here's, here's the speech that he rehearsed. He gets it right. I mean, he rehearsed it pretty well. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's ready to trade his identity as a son to be a, be a servant. You want to know what your father's really like? You got to ask this question. How does, how does the father respond? Does he say, you know what? Um, let me think about it. Um, does he say, hey, repeat that whole father thing again? Who, who's the boss in this house again? Does, does he do that? This is what he does. You should probably be what? He ignores it. The ne- he ignores it. Your rehearsed speeches that are contrite, like the, these little trite little speeches so that you can kind of get back to negotiate. He's not, getting, he's not negotiating your identity. He's already, he's already shown you. He's already kissed you. He's already given you a robe. He's giving you a ring. He's preparing a feast. That's all he needs. To, he, didn't even have to, he, didn't, he didn't need to barter with you. Oh, wait, did you say, wait, would you work on every other weekend? He doesn't say that kind of stuff, right? He knows and he shows it, so he ignores it. But the father said to his servant, he ignores the son's speech, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. 
what's the father really like? He's waiting for you to come home. He didn't sell your ring as soon as you turned your back on him. He didn't get rid of your robe. It's waiting there for you. What's he really like? He believes you're coming home and he's ready to put that ring back on you, that robe back on you, prepare the feast for you so that we can celebrate as the family of God. Here's one thing that uh, I just love about the father um, in this story. With both his sons, we'll see this a little bit later with the other son, the older son, is uh, he addresses his, his boys as son every time. So he only speaks identity that's true. He doesn't say, you worthless piece of garbage, or you pig slop eater, or you worthless waste of my time. He doesn't say those types of things. He only speaks identities that's true. And here's my challenge to all of us, myself included, all of us. Only speak identity that's true. So when you get that thought in your head and you mess up or do something that you feel like feels like a failure, instead of leading with the feeling of like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. I'm an idiot. So dumb, so stupid, so worthless. What a loser, right? Only speak identities that's true. That's not true. Is it true that we may act in a way that has those types of characteristics? Absolutely. I do it, I mean, if we had to count on account, but it happens a lot. But if I, if I did that and my, the way that I would route the water of my feelings is like, man, I feel like such a loser. I must be a loser. Such a loser. You, you pile that day after day after day after day after day, guess what happens? You start acting like a loser. You believe it. Only speak identity true that's true over yourself. This is also true, and I think we all can agree with this, again, but we need to put this into practice. Only speak identity that's true when it comes to others. So if the first thought that comes to your mind when someone cuts you off in traffic is not a great word, like, that's where you can start rerouting the water. If somebody does something um, on social media and offends you, uh, the first, you can reroute the water of that. Does it make it okay? No. But for you, does it mean that you can reroute your feelings so that your beliefs of who that person is, is true again? Some of, some of us, some of you might, we all might have to at some point, maybe even this morning, get our phones out and apologize for calling someone worthless or calling someone a name or acting like they are, right? Like that would be, again, we need to move away from head knowledge and back into action, right? Put our beliefs into these actions. So if you think that, man, that quarterback that messed up my fantasy football team, what an idiot? That's not true about him. Should he have thrown the ball to TJ Hawkinson more? Absolutely, because he's my fantasy tight end. But, and Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball, by the way, so I love Captain Kirk. Um, but yeah, like in real life examples, if, if the things for your beliefs, your actions really reveal your beliefs, whether they're good beliefs, true beliefs, or beliefs that tear down true identity. Now the older son, I'm in verse 25. Now the older son was in the field. So the older son, I mean, we get to meet the older son. What a good boy. Like he's working when all this is happening. And as he came to the house and drew near, he heard music and dancing. So um, so the, the party is already in full effect. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, 
your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And he was angry, excuse me, and he refused to go in. So this older son doing his chores, working in the field. Here's this music. I'm like, I wonder what, that, what that's, what's going on. And here's the thing. He didn't go to his dad. He goes to servant. And here's what I am learning from this, these verses. Go to God first and not secondary sources. You got to go to God first. Right? Oh, man, what's happening over there? Oh, I should ask my dad. What that looks like in our context Man, I really feel like overwhelmed and kind of not seen in this season. Let me talk to God first. Let me have a reminder of who he says I am. As opposed to um, what the older son does. Man, I've been working hard and there's music and dancing. Oh, that's not for me? Oh, well, let me ask this servant, right? Let me ask you, what's happening over there? Oh, that brother of mine and that father of mine? Oh, they're having a party without me? Oh, I'm offended now. That's not, that, and we'll just gossip. They should have done that to me. Don't they know how hard I work? Don't they know how much I mean to this family? Right? And we'll have that conversation instead of going to God first. Go to the Father first. So many times we'll be like, oh man, I'm just not feeling it today. So and so did this and this. Have you talked to that? Have you talked to God about this first? I, I would even say for all of us, like even in our prayer requests, right? Like, oh, can you pray for me? Can you pray for you? <laughs> and that's not, that's not a shame, that's an invitation, that's a challenge. Because it, it's, it's these types of practices of like, if you believe that your father is really for you, you would go to him first. So go to God first and not secondary sources. All right, this is how the story ends. His father came out and entreated him. He pleaded with him. But the older son answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I've never, I've never disobeyed your command. Now, he, he has a speech too, right? He's rehearsing this. I've, man, I've done everything Right. Never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat. Not just the fattened calf, but some young goat with, that's mostly skin and bone, right? That I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother, right? He's, he's backhandedly kind of applying this type of um, false identity. This son of yours, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill a fattened calf for him. So he's offended, and he resents his dad. Resentment is where anger and disappointment have a party. So when you start resenting, if you, we, we can be disappointed. Disapp- all disappointment is is if you have expectations and that they're not met, that distance is your disappointment. Yeah? Then you get angry because you're offended because he feels like he should have earned at least a young goat. At least. Right? Maybe a hoof or something. But he's offended now. And now his resentment, his anger and his disappointment just can't... He, he just can't, he can't, he can't take it. And so he doesn't want to, he doesn't even go into the party. So the dad says to him, son, he leads with identity. He's still his son. He's not like you thankless brat. He doesn't say that. He says, son, you're always with me and all that mine, all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this is your, he applies true identity. This is your brother. And he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. You want to know what God is really like? Just look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love passage. And swap out the word love for God, because God is love. Your father, he's patient. 
He's kind. He doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. Your father isn't proud. He doesn't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered, right? He keeps no record of wrongs. Your father doesn't delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. Your father always protects and he always trusts. He always hopes for the best. He always perseveres. Your father, he never fails. And it's, you got to know, what is, what is the father really like? He says, there's so many ways that I think even me, when I've, when I've grown up Catholic, of just like, man, I've got to earn, I've got I've to please God as opposed to trust him. I've got to earn his favor as opposed to Jesus on my behalf has given it to me. What's he really like? So here it is. Your identity, it's not defined by your perceived success or failure. It's defined by God. Let me ask you a question. Think of like one of your biggest achievements in your life, like one of the biggest achievements, something you're really proud of, or one of your favorite days of your entire life. Yeah? Got one? One of them. Doesn't have to be the. Now, think of like one of your biggest embarrassing moments in your life. Maybe your biggest failure. For me, those seem to come a little easier, quicker. Um, or when you've been low, like low of low, all right? Think of those two days. Which day of those two days were you loved more by God? We all know the right answer, right? We're all going to say, on a good day, I'm a child of God. On a bad day, I'm a child of God. And that's when we apply belief. Let me ask you this. Which one did you feel more loved by God? If we led with feelings, we'd be like, man, I feel, I feel great. God is so good. I'm on top of the world. My bank account's healthy. My health is healthy. You know, my relationships are healthy. God is good because I'm, I feel good, right? And then on those days where you're not feeling it and you feel like the opposite, man, God doesn't even, not only is nobody responding to my texts, God isn't even responding to my prayers, right? I must be all alone. And if you led by feelings, your feelings would be right. The way that you feel, and if you assign that to God, yeah, I believe God is with me on certain days and against me on other days, then you'd be right. But that's why it's important to start with, what do you believe? What is he really like? And that's why Jesus is trying to tell us about his father. The father is really good. The father is really kind. The father didn't sell your ring and didn't sell your robe. He didn't, he didn't throw a fattened calf um, just for somebody else's party. It's for you. He says, prepare the feast. It's because you made your way home. You can also reroute the waters of your feelings. Feelings are not bad. You can reroute the, uh, the, the water of your feelings with belief put into action. What I mean by that is this. I had a, a buddy of mine that did a missions trip in Southeast, Southeast Asia. And what they ended up having to do is rebuild a village because they were at the base of a mountain and the water at, during typhoon season would go a certain way. And then all of a sudden that storm came and it rerouted the water right to the village and destroyed it. So they had to build it back up. Now... Before they built up the, the village again, you know what they did? They had to go up the mountain and reroute the water. Because the next time it was going to rain, it was going to go down that same path. And when, we're, when we kind of are led by our feelings, that water doesn't get rerouted. It's just going to, even if you rebuilt the village, 
The next time it rains, it's going to destroy that same village. So what do you have to do? You have to go up the mountain. And you got to work on your beliefs, on your thought. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, right? That's what it is. Like, that's where you put the hard work. I'm not trying to rebuild your feelings so that you feel better. If you go up the mountain, just even a little bit, and reroute that water of your feelings so that your beliefs can help direct where your feelings are going, that's what that means. So reroute the water. Um, here's the, I kind of want to tell you a story. I'm, just, I'm debating which story to tell you. Um, but there, when the father embraces his son, that's just not a cute little verse in the Bible. Um, I can tell you personally that when you experience the father's embrace, it'll change your life. And I'm trying to not over-exaggerate um, because I've experienced a life-changing moment um, where I experienced the father's embrace. And this happened about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. I was at this retreat, um, a men's retreat, and went with some friends. Um, never been to a retreat like this before where there was just, it was a little bit more like a party, right? Like there was teaching and there was music, but it, there was just, it was just more about like this. It was kind of like, you know, the kind of the music and the dancing, it wasn't like, um, there was, it was just different. And I kind of felt like for me in my experiences with God that I was just a little bit more dignified. I was a little bit more, like, just more reserved, which is, I mean, th that's a beautiful thing. And I felt like there was just um, something more for me. But I was offended by the way that people were, like, laughing during different things. They would, like, kind of hoot and holler. It was, it was like at a, a, a lodge. It was just different for me. And on the, um, since there were, like, 50 guys, we had these bunk rooms. And I had to share this bunk with, uh, we'll call him Jeff. He was a college student at the time. I was in my early 30s. Um, at that time, and uh, Jeff, um, just, you know, I'm the type of person that feels like I can get along with just about anybody. Uh, maybe that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but for whatever reason, this guy named Jeff, like, as soon as I met him, I was like, hey, do you want the top bunker? He's like, he didn't even let me finish. He was like, you're on the top. Okay. Uh, do you, it just, he didn't want to talk. Like, he, he would have his headphones. We didn't have earbuds back then. He had his headphones on all the time, just didn't want to talk. And I try, tried to be friendly. And at some point, I think I was just like, eh, I, I don't really know if I like this guy as much, right? Of all the people, I get, there's 49 other guys at the retreat. Um, and I, there's just one that I have a bunkmate with that I just don't get along with. And so the last day, um, you know, like, it was just, it, there was all these great experiences. And on the last day, um, this guy, Jeff, without a, another way to say it, he just gets overcome with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, what does that mean? So Jeff is lying down on the kitchen covered in like these worship scarves, laughing and yelling while teaching is supposed to be happening at the front of the room, right? So me and my, digni my dignified response is like, that's, of course Jeff would do that, right? Like, that's what he does, right? He, he's just, he's belligerent, Yeah. And I was offended, and I was like, is nobody stopping this? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll stop this, right? Um, but then a buddy of mine who was there, he was right by Jeff, and he goes, um, he addresses the room, he goes, um, for all of you who are uncomfortable, I've seen this before, and this is good. All right, well, if Brad says it's good, it's good with me. 
And so it, it kind of escalates. So I kind of have to have this internal like wrestling match with myself of like, oh, will you just stop talking, Jeff? And we stop laughing. I kind of want to hear the third point. It's very important to get the third point so I can go home, I can be more holy. Um, they, they ended up, there's this loft because it's at this lodge and they, they bring, almost they carried um, Jeff all the way up to this loft. He's up there like lying down and there's like other guys around him. And I'm downstairs just waiting to leave for our flight, right? I'm just, this, this was my posture. And Brad comes down and he goes, um, <clears throat> hey, Ben, um, Jeff's up there and he's asking for you. And I was like, I'm good. Because <laughs> we, we hadn't talked. We had, hey, Jeff had four days to get a hold of me. <laughs> and not now. And so um, uh, one of the women that was helping facilitate the, the retreat, she comes down and she's like, you know, Ben, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I'm not going to make you do this. I think you should go, though. I, I think you should. And again, because of relationship with this friend, I, I decided to go. And as I was approaching, I was like, this, this is just so weird, right? Like, there's like eight guys up there laughing, and there's like Jeff in the middle, like lying down on carpet. And you have to take these stairs. And he, um, so as I kind of am hesitantly going up these stairs, like I'm not even all the way up the stairs, and with his eyes closed, he sits up. Jeff sits up and he goes, Ben, is that you? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> um, he's like, Ben, is that you? Ben, come here. Ben, come here. Like, and so, you know, a few of my friends just kind of helped me kind of get past that threshold of fear. And um, I was like, yeah, it's me. And then before I can even finish my sentence, um, this guy, Jeff, just grabs me, pulls me down, and just gives me this embrace. And he's like, this is 13 years ago, still gets me every time. Son, I love you on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, on a Sunday. Will you just let me love you? I love you. I love you. You have such a good heart. I love you, Ben. You're my son. <clears throat> I experienced the Father's embrace, and it just broke down my dignity, what an undignified moment. So glad we didn't have streaming back then because otherwise it'd be on the internet right now. But it was life-changing for me. It was beautiful and it was necessary. And I need to be able to know the value of love is higher than the value of dignity. I mean, even this, I'm trying to hold back my tears, right? It's because I'm trying to not be so undignified in, in front of people. How, how, how many minutes, how much energy do we just waste? Because we're so caught up in trying to come across prideful and dignified. When the, the thing that we all want, we all want, you want it, you know it. You just want to be loved. You just want to be seen. And you want to know that your father loves you. You know it. But yet, every Sunday, we keep it all together. Until the father's love becomes an embrace. When you know that instead of pig slop, or trying to make it on your own, you can return home and there's a ring and a robe and a feast that's waiting for you until you're ready for that. Until you're ready for that. You're just going to, this is all there is. He's not coming for me. I'm going to be led for my feelings. He's not coming for me. He doesn't think about me. He doesn't love me. Until your emotions swing another way. Be led by your belief of what he's really like. He's really good. He's really after you. Um, 
you guys, if, if you guys have spent any time with me, there's a, this is the cup I drink from. A friend of mine, she knows my identity, and so she put it on a personalized Yeti mug, Yeti tumbler for me, and it says, thought of all, thought of often, and Ninja Shepherd. I've lost this mug, and it always comes back to me, right? Because people know that must be Ben's, because they equate, oh, he's thought of all, he's thought of often, he's a Ninja Shepherd, why, yes, I am, right? I know my identity, we know whose this is, because this is the, and this is the cup I choose to drink from each day. In our house, we have a, a coffee maker. Above the coffee maker, we have a shelf that has about 15 mugs on it. And on those 15 mugs, there are just different words of identity and reminders. And each morning, when I get to choose a mug, I get to ask this question, which cup will I drink from today? Will I drink from the cup of joy? Will I drink from the cup that says, sunny days, rise and shine, Spartan nation, right? <laughs> Depends. And we, have, we all have that choice. Do you know there's a party going on and the older son refused to drink from any cup? I'm not taking one of your cups, Dad. I refuse to go in. Or we'll sip on the cup of offense. My cup's better than your cup. The, the, the cup of comparison, the cup of disappointment. We'll sip on that cup. That's the cup I'll choose to drink from. I'm, and you, that's the question we all get to ask. What is the father really like and what cup will you choose to drink from today? Because there's cups all available for us. What cup do you, do you want to drink from the cup of grace and then extend that to others? Or do you want to drink from the cup of offense and continually be offended by why that person thinks that way, so God must be like that too. Um, I think this is so important that I bought mugs, and there are mugs, and I think there are, they're all, um, there's, there are mugs that uh, I feel like I, I want to give away um, to help. This is one hour of a week that we get to meet. There's 167 other hours. And daily, almost by the hour, you're going to have the option and the choice of what cup you're going to choose to drink from. And I want to help. <laughs> I want to help remind you that there's a cup of identity. So what I'm planning on doing is just having the Holy Spirit lead. Just kind of like Holy Spirit led Jeff, and that was new space, but it was life-changing for me. I have three mugs that I feel like, uh, this is not predetermined, but I feel like I want to give. Do I still talk to Jeff? That's the question. Thank you. What's your name? Ashley, Ashley I do. Uh, I haven't talked to Jeff. I know Jeff's uncle. And um, yeah, and Jeff is doing great. Um, Struggled with that moment, uh, for sure. Because uh, he looked back, and he was embarrassed by it, right? Sometimes these un undignified acts of love, you, you know, ask David after he had to go back to the palace and he was done dancing. There's, you know, other people are like, David didn't think about it until other people were like, that's offensive. And then now you're thinking like, oh, am I doing this wrong? Oh, that might be, that, that's probably offensive, isn't it? Right? That's how, when we value that, it, it, it's not one where you just make the choice once. You have to choose it over and over of like, oh, that was embarrassing, or was it? That was actually an act of love, of undignified love. And that, that was true for Jeff. He had to continually choose like, oh, man. Oh, wait, that was, that was life-changing. Oh, man. Oh, no, that was, that was good. So great question. Um, for these mugs, I did this at the 915. Um, and what, what I'm hoping to do is just to be led by the Holy Spirit to just give these away as a reminder 
um, of the cup that you get to choose to drink from. Um, just to give you an idea, like I probably will walk around and potentially give you a mug. I might not give you a mug, and that's okay, because um, it, it's just a symbol, right? You can drink deeply from the cup of grace whenever you want because of what Jesus did for us. Um, I did this at 915, and there was a gentleman. He said I could use his name. Never met him before. His name is Mike. Um, I handed him, a, hand him, handed him a mug, and uh, it said strength. And he told me after he came down and said, um, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And when you pulled out that mug, I was like, oh, God, is that for me? Because he, there's just been from his um, kind of career path, he just was like, do I, do I not do this anymore? And so we were just able to talk, and he was just blown away of just how God sees in these types of moments. Now, this is not one where I'm trying to raise the expectations of if you get a bung or not. What I'm trying to do is raise the expectation of, you know what your God is really like? Your father, he sees you. And there are many opportunities for you to see him working and for him to see you. Um, so this is a, a similar mug. I didn't take the mug back from Mike. <laughs> um, Um, I'm not trying to make this awkward. I'm just trying to be <laughs> obedient. So, I like to do stuff like that because then <laughs> it changes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So this mug says strength. Um, have I have I met you before? No, I'm Ben. What's your name? Michael. Michael, uh, this cup I feel like is for you. It says strength. It's from Psalm 28.7. And what it says is, uh, it says, the Lord is my strength and my salvation. It's whom I put my trust in. And here's an invitation for you, Michael, to uh, drink from that cup, to choose the cup of strength of Jesus to be your strength. Yeah. All right, I got two more mugs. We got time. Um, this one. All right, let's see. All right. I'm just walking at this point. Have we met before? No. Um, yes, with the glasses, yeah. What's your name? Caitlin, do you mind if I squeeze in here? Hi, Caitlin, I'm Ben. All right, so this mug says, it has a B on the front of it, and in the rim it says, always be kind. Um, so with this, um, Caitlin, um, with the, the B, um, a bee doesn't have to work harder for the honey to be sweeter. Um, a bee is just how God created the bee to be. And by you just being how he's created you to be, you don't have to work harder for the honey to be any sweeter.
So always be kind. All right, this, uh, I feel like this last one has been predetermined. Um, and so this one is Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And, you know, I, I, I was this, this part of um, uh, this element, you know, there's a lot of trust and you know, you kind of step out, this kind of, this feels a little like, am I doing it wrong, right? I don't want to do this wrong. At the same time, like, I'm, I'm willing to risk it. Uh, I think in God's kindness, like with this particular mug, um, there was a particular person that is near and dear to me um, that uh, this mug is for, and was, I think even like on Wednesday when I was thinking about it. And um, so I have a son, his name is Cruz. Um, yeah. But... Uh, his, his first name is Joshua, um, and Joshua means um, uh, the Lord saves. The Lord is my salvation, right? Joshua Waukesha. <laughs> um, and I know you go by Cruz because that's a family name, but like when your mom and I were praying for you, um, like this, <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassing Cruz, I'm sorry. I'm just going to give you the mug, man, but like... Um, <laughs> Yeah, just be like, this is a reminder of the cup that you, you drink from, and I love you. <laughs> yeah. All I'll get you another mug, Josiah. I know his twin brother's probably like, wait. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, what couple do you drink from today? Um, what I would love to do is, uh, it's great to talk about identity. You guys can come on out. Um, it'd be one thing to just talk about identity. Oh, yeah, he's really good. All right, what's for lunch? It's a whole other thing to celebrate that, right? So one of the best ways that we can remind ourselves is through song um, of who God is, what is he really like. And that's why we're going to spend some time in worship right now. Um, the first song, there's going to be two songs, just to be kind if you're like, how many songs are they doing? We're doing two. Um, I will be patrolling the doors, so if you feel like I'm leaving, I'm, you're going to turn right back, because you're a worshiper, that's why. Um, and so the first song is Good, Good Father. That's who he is, and I'm loved by him. That's who I am, right? We're going to sing that identity over and over, and then the second one, it's a treat. So like Ben said, we are going to worship together, so I invite you to stand. And yeah, we'll sing praise to our Father.
now. Come on now. You got, no, stay up here, stay up here, stay up here, stay up here. Um, you are. And here's the thing is, you know in that story, there's music and there's dancing. How will you respond? This was appropriate. Um, because it's, it's, we're drinking from the cup of celebration uh, and not out of offense or disappointment. This is the cup of celebration because we have the best news. We were dead and now we're alive. We were lost and now we're found. And we were, we're sons, we're daughters. So not just in this hour, but every hour, drink from a cup that leads to celebration and gratitude. And um, I even challenge myself, um, thank you for leading us, that an appropriate response in action that can happen is you can outwardly show that you're happy, right? And you can outwardly show that you celebrate. And we know it's happening on the inside, right? And I think there's more. I think there's more for us to step into that. Three things before we go. One is if you didn't get a bulletin, you're going to want a bulletin. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. Like, there are things, if you want to take a next step, identity is super important. And you have an enemy that's going to try to steal from you, rob from you, destroy your, your identity. All those 167 other hours, he wants it. He wants to take it back. He wants to rob you. So what are you going to do about it? There are daily devotionals that can help remind you that you are Christ's friend. You're an ambassador. You're God's child. And these daily reminders are things that will help all of us be more equipped. Second thing is this, is um, at the end, uh, you might not know what like prayer uh, looks like for you because you might be one where like, I'm just, I don't know how to engage in my father. I don't know how to approach him. Um, there are people here from the prayer team. There are elders that want to pray with you and for you and help shepherd you through that. So this might be a day that you step through the threshold of fear and on the other side of that to freedom. And freedom through prayer of other people leading you and guiding you. So I know I'm going to dismiss you here in about 30 seconds. And you, instead of walking out those doors, you can walk down front because there are people that want to walk with you through prayer. And the third thing is this, what cup are you going to choose to drink from today? What cup? There's so many cups. Yeah, there's the cup of freedom. There's the cup of celebration. There's the cup of joy. There's the cup of blessing. There's the cup of my God is enough, of salvation. Yeah, so choose those cups and help other people drink from that cup. Um, have, have the Father lift our chins. So instead of having our head look like this, he lifts the chins of sons and daughters so that we can drink from his cup. All right, let's close um, because, I'm, God, we're grateful. Um, we thank you. Yes, we, we say, I thank you, God. Um, and we respond with joy and celebration, with dancing and with singing. Um, we, we just know that you're a good father. Um, we know that. We believe that. And so thank you for this immediate action step to be able to celebrate that and show you that, that we feel loved. God, I pray that you would even cover, because you know us well, those moments in this week where it feels like the celebration is gone. It feels like the grace is gone. It feels like the cup of anger is what I'm sipping from. So I just pray for your grace. Would you remind us, would you help us to be your body that reminds one another of what's true, the truest part of our identities that we're sons and daughters of the one true king, and that's you, Father. And we, we know that you're a good father. So we pray your blessing and we thank you for your kindness. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have a great week.